over your mind, not outside events. Uh, realize this and you will find your strength. On that thought, welcome to our Zoom web series hosted by One Tree Hill and PMS Cart on the juggernauts, uh, which is conversations with uncommon and curious fund managers. Hi everyone, my name is Jay Shah and I have today with me uh, Nilesh Shah, who is the founder and fund manager at Envision Capital. Uh, prior to this, as most of you would know, uh, he has worked with Kotak Asset Management for the longest time ever and has close to 25 years of experience. Uh, welcome Nilesh by to our show. Uh, before we get into uh, into our show, you know, one of the questions that has always come up whenever you come on TV is that do you actually age? <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Jay. Thank you for hosting this and for having me on this uh, show and on this program. It's indeed a pleasure. Uh, honestly, not the best of environment to essentially kind of, uh, in a way, uh, interact. I'm I wish this could have been done more uh, offline. But nevertheless, um, thank you so much. And uh, well, this has essentially been a question which is uh, always asked. And as they say that the market keeps you on your toes. Uh, that's it. Uh, the, our markets are full of volatility. Uh, change is the only constant in India. Uh, every day is a learning experience. Uh, and I guess uh, probably uh, that's that's essentially the reason and the genesis. Okay, I can't say the same about me. And uh, so, but anyways, markets have taken a, a bit more of, a, of of my head than you. But that's fine. So, what we'll end up doing, Nilesh, by is is you know, let's jump into what we call the machine gun fifteen, right? It's a quick fire question. Uh, you know, hopefully you'll say what the first thing that pops up into your head, and let's take it from there. Great. Right? Ready? Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, so, diversification or concentration of equity? Concentration. Okay. How would you rate the research on the street from a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'd probably say about 3 to 4. Okay. Will oil go back below zero? Uh, very unlikely. Very unlikely. Okay. Uh, by when do you think uh, or till when do you think India will remain an emerging market? Uh, I probably think that's still a journey which will be another at least I think a decade away. Uh, okay. It's another 10 years. My, I think the way um, India could become actually move away from an emerging market to becoming a, a developed market is when we touch the $10,000 per capita. So 10 years I'd say. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the biggest red flags that you see in stocks apart from corporate governance? Uh, I think uh, growth expectations, uh, clearly, I think apart from governance and balance sheet related issues, but I think uh, uh, growth expectations, India is an emerging market, growth expectations always run very high uh, and okay. always a challenge to meet those growth expectations in the most capital efficient. Okay. Okay. Uh, the most difficult question everybody is asking right now, are we at the bottom? Uh, very unlikely. I don't think we are at the bottom. Um, clearly, the lows of March will remain, and it's there is strong possibility that those lows will get retested. Sure. Uh, which out of the following balance sheet is most most stretched? The government, the corporate, or the individual? Well, individual is the least. Okay. Okay. I'd probably say the corporate is the most stretched, uh, and the reason I'm saying is because the government has a exceptional powers. Um, they, their ability to raise resources is almost at will and it is a very asset-rich government. 
Um, so to that extent, you know, the government owns very, very profitable undertakings, profitable businesses, all of that. So I'd always say basically that the sovereign is always in a much better position versus companies. Okay. Uh, top down or bottom up? Bottom up. Bottom up. Okay. I have to say that uh, in all the uh, seven people earlier than you and you being the eight, there's an even, uh, even distribution between top up and bottom up, uh, top down and bottom up. Okay. Okay. Uh, with respect to startups, boom or bust? Uh, no, I think, okay. Um, generally bust. Okay. Exceptionally boom. Okay. Fair enough. What has been that one significant moment in your career where you said that, you know, you know, this is, this is really enlightening or this has been my biggest learning. Uh, biggest learning I think was, um, clearly the period of 2001, 2002, uh, when I think the government then, uh, did a lot in terms of reforms. Um, and it basically completely, I think changed India, uh, for the next five to 10 years. And I think I was glad that that's the time I began my career, uh, in asset management, so to say, or, uh, equity research and all of that. And that coincided. So there were two things, two situations. One was 1991 when I was posting my MBA. India's economic reforms happened then. Uh, right. And that itself was big. And exactly 10 years later, basically the government then essentially unleashed uh, you know, the next round of hard reforms. Uh, infrastructure, power sector, banking, all of that, telecom, all that happened in the critical period of 2001 to 2003, privatization, disinvestment, right. all of that happened that. So that I think was a great one. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, just to sort of, uh, you know, you've been in the, in the, in the market for a really long period of time, uh, looking at uh, what has happened today with Franklin Templeton, how would you, how would you rate the situation? Good, bad or ugly? It's certainly not desirable. Uh, I think uh, in a way it's, it's a bit ugly as well because I think in fixed income, um, you know, investors expect capital back, expect a certain return. Um, there is really no room for error in a way in fixed income. And unfortunately, uh, it is very unfortunate what has happened. Okay. Uh, how many times do you think you are right in the market? I'm generally wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the market direction. Let me try and edit that. Let me try and edit that. So <laughs> uh, I, I'd probably, okay, let me see the market direction generally long, wrong, but I think stock selection by and large, right. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, where do you see the next uh, innovation in our markets in either in terms of products or in terms of a sector? Uh, where do you think this will come up from? Well, my sense is the biggest innovation will still come essentially when technology and consumer really meets. Uh, my sense is India is huge uh, from a consumer space. Um, India has certain strengths in technology. Uh, and clearly, I think uh, India is really in a way coming off age. And my sense is that the biggest innovation that you will see essentially is basically in the consumer space, but basically aided by technology. Okay, fair enough. Uh, would you double down or double up? Uh, no, if there is, if, if of course it's a, it's, a, it's a situation which is going awry, obviously you basically just double down. In a sense, you exit. Okay. Uh, but obviously, of course, uh, you know, if things, things are going your way, I think you would always want to double up. Okay, fair enough. 
uh, what is the one misconception that people have of the market or one mistake that investors have made since decades? I think the, the overemphasis on liquidity. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I think, um, and I think it's pretty much like the petrol in a car, thinking that if you have uh, in unlimited amount of petrol, the car always moves, moves uh, notwithstanding the fact that even if the engine is bad or, or some of the parts are not functioning. So I think the overemphasis on liquidity, I, I think liquidity is typically overemphasized and overestimated. Okay. No, I tried buying petrol and I thought they would pay me, but they didn't. But yeah, that's a different matter. Uh, one thing that uh, people don't know about you and, you know, I, I'll go as far as to say maybe your, your family also doesn't know about you. Family doesn't know about me. I think that I think, I honestly can't think about it. Okay, uh, that's what most people don't know about you. Uh, okay, so I, I love Bollywood movies. Okay. Uh, so that's a, that's more like a personal interest. Yeah. Person. So I love Bollywood movies. I'm a fan of Bollywood okay. movies. Typically, okay. we prefer the first weekend. Oh, really? Okay. Movies, so, so it's like okay. that. Okay, yeah. great. So I think I think you you won this rapid fire round, and you know your coffee with Karan Hamper should reach you uh, as soon as this uh, lockdown ends. Uh, and, but talking of the lockdown, you know, how do you see this lockdown going forward? Um, well, I think in the first place, the lockdown was required. The most courageous decision which any government world over has taken. Um, I think on one hand, it shows very decisive leadership on the part of the government. I also think it just reflects the kind of um, administrative capabilities India has, right? Because there is some, there's, there's the leader who took the decision for a lockdown. Sure. The, uh, the administration has essentially been able to implement it. But most important of all, 130 crore people, society at large, has essentially complied with this, okay? I think it just reflects the kind of social capital, uh, the political capital and the social capital which India has. Going forward, I don't think this is going to be an easy exit from the lockdown. Okay, uh, this probably looks to be a lot more long drawn um, than what it what most people think it is. Um, and uh, and and I think uh, we will probably have to see many bouts and rebouts uh, of this lockdown and exits from lockdown. So I think right. um, you know the chances of relapse are going to be high. Um, and so to that extent, one should be prepared uh, for slightly a more long-run kind of a lockdown or a quasi-lockdown. Right. So more of a, of a W-shaped lockdown where eases goes back, eases goes back? Well, it looks like. I think, uh, you know, the remedy at least uh, is probably several months away. Okay. okay. Um, and I am no epidemiologist or I'm, not, I'm nobody from the medical science. Uh, but leave aside the vaccine, but I still think the full-fledged remedy is, is some time away. Uh, and I think um, you are basically going to see a lot of trigger points, which will essentially compel the government to kind of have the lockdown again and again and probably more frequently. Sure, sure. Understood. Uh, one of the questions, you know, before we started this series that uh, we asked the people that what would you want to ask uh, you know, these uncommon fund managers is that, you know, what was their first experience uh, with the stock market was, or, you know, was it by chance? And, you know, I tell them that most of, most of us have a, have a, have a great story. And, you know, I'm an engineer by education, did not want to do 
you know, coding and, you know, hence went to Edelweiss because they were hiring back in 2004 by the truckload. And that's how I started. But how, what's your story in Well, uh, it's a slightly, it goes back into my childhood. And, uh, and you know, uh, I belong to a family in Ahmedabad. And my father used to participate in these IPOs. Sure. And uh, those were the days of multiple applications. And right. my father didn't know. He didn't know English. He couldn't write. And I, I, I could kind of write. And I used to start filling up the forms. <laughs> I used to, out of curiosity, ask him, why are you applying? And see, so you get the shares. Why do you want the shares? Because they could go up. Why will they go up? Because the company could do well. And I'd say, why will the company do well? Uh, right. And so, therefore, there were reasons with that. And that essentially triggered um, the curiosity uh, factor. And uh, I, I just found that, you know, this is very interesting, you know. Um, that you virtually seeing democratization of business, democratization of wealth creation, and that's how the interest actually got ignited. Uh, but unfortunately, um, I, I essentially got a break into professional fund management uh, relatively late on, uh, in the sense that it was not suddenly that I was out of college or I was out of preschool. And that was my job because when we started off, there were no private sector mutual funds. Sure. Uh, there was no mutual fund, only Unit Trust of India existed. Right. Um, and I was very lucky that in the year 2000, Kotak decided to kind of get big time into uh, equities, especially on the private client side and then later on into mutual funds. Um, and, and that is when I got the opportunity. I was handpicked and I got the opportunity to essentially be there and move into a more professional capacity. So in a way, the roots of essentially my journey go back to my childhood. Right. Uh, but then, of course, uh, you know, there was a gap of maybe 15, 20 years before I finally plunged into it in a more professional capacity. Correct. And, you know, obviously coming to Envision now uh, and the PMS that you run, uh, you guys have been around for a significant amount of time, right? Uh, what has been sort of your edge and your USP, you know, that has allowed you to not only make money, uh, survive and survive really well? Um, so I clearly believe, number one, a very, very strong belief in fundamental research. Uh, and when I say fundamental research, research which is not just driven by data alone, uh, but wanting to revalidate that data, okay, through your own basically homework um, and reaching out to all those people who could essentially help us to revalidate that. And I can tell you that a lot of our successful investments, I think basically have come not just by looking at a database and looking at numbers, but going beyond data and trying to really figure out essentially what is the moat of this business uh, what will make this company actually do exceptionally well uh, going forward uh, and I've, I've realized that that essentially has been a very very big differentiator. okay and if i could probe a little bit more on uh, a stock selection process per se uh, along with you know what are the holding periods that you look at or what is the site or the vision with every time that you sort of enter into a stock so, well, ideally, we would want to kind of hold anything for at least five years, okay? okay. Uh, that's essentially our normal holding period. Uh, but there have been situations where we've held on to stocks for as long as maybe seven to eight years as well. Um, and uh, so the first investment that we made when we started off Envision Capital um, was a company called 3M India. And, um, you know, 
we've invested in it in 2010 and we've made an exit only in 2018. Um, so almost eight years, um, so to say. Uh, so it's been a very, very, um, you know, a very great journey. Of course, there are some stocks where we probably exited just in a year or two because the investment thesis did not play out. Um, so I think on an average, I'd say five years, but the range would be basically one year to maybe even seven to eight years. Fair enough. And has there been a time when it has been less than a year? Where something completely went opposite to uh, what you thought would play out? Uh, yes, so I think there was one this, uh, I probably think, I'm not sure whether it was less than one year, but it could have been around one year. Okay. Uh, so we'd invested in a rating agency. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, you know, then of course in 20, late 2018, the ILFS episode happened and followed by that, um, there was obviously the business got impacted and there was some regulatory action as well. Uh, and we, and we exited. Um, obviously, of course, today the stock price is way below the price at which we exited. Uh, but I'm not exactly sure whether we invested in it for less than a year okay. or less than two years, you know, but it was certainly less than two years. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, one of the other thing that comes up with processes, with philosophies, etc., cetera, uh, is that there's always a question mark, uh, as to when, or is there a lifespan to a particular strategy, right? Uh, most fund managers sort of, you know, are quite uh, elaborate. Or, or, you know, give a good detail as to what their philosophies and processes are, uh, which should be easy to replicate outside. But we've seen most people are not able to do that. And simplicity sometimes obviously is the only answer. Sure. So the question then becomes, do these processes, these, these strategies have a, have a lifespan uh, that you're looking at? Do you have to continuously make adjustments uh, to your process? No, I think that's a very interesting question, Jay. Uh, and I think uh, clearly there is no taking away the fact that it is essentially your philosophy and your processes which matters. That's something which is a continuous refinement. And it's something which you learn every day. I mean, uh, in fact, even Buffett uh, just a few days or a few weeks back said, I mean, he's 89 and um, he honestly doesn't know how to react to essentially the, the, the COVID crisis. Okay. Sure. And he says, this itself has been a learning for me. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Okay. Um, so I think it just shows how volatile, how fragile the world is, how the environment is. And of course, we need to be able to adjust. Okay. Uh, my sense is that it is not the philosophy in the process, which essentially is the, is always the big differentiator. Okay. I think philosophy process are a good starting point. It's pretty much like an idea that there is an idea which matters only probably to the extent of 5%. The execution of the idea matters to the extent of 95%. Now your philosophy, your process essentially helps you to get a collect data, process it and analyze it. After that, what comes in essentially are clearly um, very non-subjective, traits which matter and those are essentially around your the behavioral aspects which is around your discipline okay. and about your judgment okay uh, and i think these are very very important and i'll tell you why in the indian context uh, i've come to believe um, that every decade uh, the markets will have a cycle of its own and we've seen this consistently that a sector or a bunch of sectors is the flavor of a decade and the next decade it's something else and the decade after that is, is something else and finally you see every decade as a boom and a bust story 
which is for the market in general and for a sector in general. So I think one, what one has to be very, very careful of is how does basically one figure out all of that? And that's something which I think maybe just the philosophy, the process may not be able to kind of be good enough for you to deal with that. A lot has got to do with your own discipline, your own risk management and your own judgment. Uh, I think that I think is as important and I think that has changed significantly over the years. Okay. So effectively what you are sort of alluding to is, is a significant part of your sort of your emotional quotient and how you are able to deal with different situations. Right. Rather than saying that, look, this is, I know this is going to happen, but saying if this happens, I know I'll be able to deal with it. Absolutely. Um, so, and, I, and I'd probably say, people will say, you know, uh, what matters for you is skill and luck. Okay. Right. I'd probably say the third thing, skill, luck and behavior. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, okay. That I think is, is very important. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, if you could talk about some of the opportunities which were very obvious to you, uh, but most of the market did not see. Because when we talk to, you know, investors, clients, they obviously want some you know, deep dive into into the fund manager's mind saying that, is he even capable? Uh, what did he see that we missed while, you know, being in the market for as long as he is? Right. Uh, so I think uh, clearly uh, in terms of, I think, again, I'd say probably the power of the financial business. And I think broadly, uh, everybody is essentially being so uh, obsessed with the banking space. Okay, sure. and saying is, and there have been some very simplistic assumptions. Uh, India grows at a particular rate, banking industry will grow at 1.5x, and a particular bank will grow at 2x of that. I think in, in India, the opportunity is even hugely bigger outside banking within the financial space. And I think uh, that opportunity, um, of course, now, of course, there are people who started talking about it, but I still believe that the mutual fund industry has got a long way to go. The health insurance industry, I think has gone a long, long way to go. Okay. Uh, the life insurance industry, I still think has gone a long way to go. Just look at it from a mutual fund industry point of view. We are a country of 130 crore people. Okay. Right. And probably just about less than two crore people have a unique mutual fund account. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, so out of hundred Indians, just one, one and a half people, actually have mutual fund exposure. I think that number is abysmally low, okay? Um, and just the other data point, again, similar to that, countries like Brazil, South Africa, mutual fund AUM as a percent of GDP is like 50 to 60%. In India, that number is as low as 12 to 13%. Absolutely. Okay, so we tend to look at that business with the market volatility, okay. which is fine in the very short term. But I think in the process, when we are dealing with market volatility, we are missing out on that very big picture, which is there that the big picture says that this industry is going to be several multiple times its current size in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, or maybe even 20 years. Sure. Fair enough. And if I had to take the sort of the opposite side in that, and you know, uh, in, back in 2004, when I started, I was foolish enough to leverage my, uh, my monthly salary six, seven times over in a commodity play or multiple times that and I lost six, seven times my salary. Uh, 
you know, what has been your one learning or, you know, a place where you've paid sort of a really big tuition fee of sorts uh, and, had, and had a good amount of learning? Uh, so I think it's always about um, when you basically over rely on essentially uh, the, the, the vision of a promoter. Okay, when you look at a management and you say basically saying, we will do this and this and all that. And, and initially in your career, you typically in a way get very impressed with growth strategies. Okay. Uh, and I think again, this was again the period of 2002 to 2008, a fantastic period of massive economic kind of boom and massive growth. Corporate earnings growing at 20-25%. But there was scant respect for cash flows, okay? Um, so for example, even in a year like 2007 and all of that, 2008, uh, I was like kind of still very optimistic about the infrastructure sector and very optimistic about the real estate sector in India and all of that. Sure. Um, and come 2008-9, of course, uh, companies with you know, heavy debt, highly leveraged balance sheets uh, with literally no no, not adequate cash flows, essentially, of course, in a way, literally some. Um, right. And, you know, and, and I think that was a very, very important lesson, probably the most expensive lesson. Um, and I think the lesson learned of that period essentially then has helped me in, in the subsequent decade or the subsequent 10 years. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we've also seen a, a good amount of... Uh, uh, of AUM shift from you know the more nuanced HNI UHNI investors uh, moving into PMSs, right? One of the reasons that I feel is obviously a lot of uh, India still remains a push market. So what remains a flavor for that particular you know half a decade or two or three years gets sold at that point in time. But one of the other interesting uh, debates that is that, that is emerging is that mutual funds are sort of uh, closet or tending to be closet index funds. Uh, would, you, would you sort of agree to that? Any views on that? Well, I think it's probably a mixed story on that. There are some mutual funds who obviously, of course, I mean, yes, I'd say majority of the mutual funds would essentially be uh, in a way benchmark hugging products or benchmark hugging strategies, um, right. so to say. And uh, that's where it is. Uh, PMSs tend to be more more absolute return. I'm not saying therefore that there's always absolute returns, but they tend to be more kind of bottom up and therefore absolute return focused. Um, I think the other virtue of a PMS is typically is that you know what you own uh, versus saying, you know, while I like the sector or this is part of the benchmark and therefore I need to own it versus in a PMS, you typically own it if you understand it and things of that kind. And therefore I prefer the concentrated basically approach. That's the second. Fair enough. The third, of course, is essentially that the PMSs necessarily are not subjected to institutional imperatives. It's not about just having, you know, very widespread representation across sectors and all of that. In right. PMSs, very much bottom up. If you don't like a sector, don't be in it. There is no compulsion. You can be actually benchmark agnostic, all of that. Right. Uh, the ability to basically hold some liquidity, hold some cash in your portfolios, not go out there and immediately be invested. All of that. So I think there are a lot of positives, a lot of virtues of PMS uh, as a product versus mutual funds. Okay. Uh, and 
sort of which segment do you think out of you know all the segment call it large cap mid cap small cap multi cap sectors etc where do you think the most uh, alpha will be generated from a sort of a, a risk adjusted return my sense is expect is because especially we are kind of at this particular point of time uh, my sense is that if i were to kind of give you talk more about say 2025 and beyond uh my sense is that today um some of the mid caps and small caps um i think pose a very very attractive risk reward uh, equation currently um i think they are severely beaten down and it's not that when they are mid caps and small caps um that they are basically not capital efficient or they necessarily have poor governance standards uh i'd probably say that the larger mid caps let me put it this way not the mega caps not the extreme small caps but basically the larger mid caps according to me uh i think is the sweet spot to be in uh over the next maybe 5 to 10 years the risk reward is extremely favorable to investors in that space perfect are uh, you also briefly talked about sort of you know having pms having the advantage of having some sort of cash on their books and keeping that for a rainy day or for an opportune time and if i could extend that a bit uh, would you say uh, you know the the ability to maybe hedge uh, maybe take a few option positions uh, do you think that should be opened up more as an option for pmss to do oh absolutely i mean I, undoubtedly i think that that uh, flexibility that leeway should be there uh provided of course the portfolio manager and the pms manager uh has the capability and obviously it's it's been articulated very well to you know their investors that there would be use of options and derivatives and all of that but yes why not uh, that should essentially be an integral part of essentially the market mechanisms and the market well now so we are almost at the end uh, of our of our conversation and uh, you know to sort of you know put one last question uh, to you nilesh bhai a lot of people have started uh, taking money from clients right uh, some of them have unfortunately started in in jan of 2020 right whether call it as an advisor as a distributor as a fund manager uh, what advice would you give to them you know to sort of you know keep them sort of calm and say that look everything will be okay yeah so i think uh, you know we are at a situation where of course the circumstances and the reasons are unique uh, but you know these are market cycles um, every decade you are going to see boom and bust cycles um, and uh, maybe we are at, at at that particular point in time uh, where situation is not as great as we would want it to be in fact you know it it's definitely not the best of situation but all i would basically say is that this will pass keep the faith uh have a sound investment strategy be prudent backed by common sense and in a way also have the appropriate asset allocation so i think you know it will always be a time this would be an environment where you could actually get very carried away towards the other extreme saying things are going to remain bad um and it's always darkest before dawn so i think keep the faith keep the trust uh 
the best of times for humanity, for mankind, and for India are yet to come. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Milesh Bhai. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a great interview. I think uh, I got to learn a lot of things. And best of luck with, uh, with your time in the market. And may you have uh, a lot of outperformance here. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you, Jay. It's been a pleasure. Uh, best of luck with your venture. May it essentially kind of progress and grow really well. And best wishes to basically everybody associated with you, Jay. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nilesh. Bye.